if uh, she had a song about freedom we could sing today. And she said, I just wrote one. And uh, so Leanne actually wrote that song. Isn't that beautiful? That wonderful freedom at the cross. Thanks uh, for sharing that with us this morning. And we're going to end with uh, a time of worship today. Because I don't know about you, but my heart is so full. I don't know about you, but, but something has been stirring inside of me. Have you ever had that sense in your spirit that God is up to something big? I don't know what it is, but since the beginning of this year, I've been sensing inside that God wants to do something amazing, that God wants to send revival. And we are calling our summer series a summer of revival because I believe God wants to move among us. I believe he wants us to be awakened to who he is, that we'll find the life and the strength, the vigor that God has for us, that, that he sends these awakenings and moments of history, and God shows up, and I don't know what it is, but I so anticipate it, and the more I talk to other pastors, other believers, even people in our church, there is something inside that says, something's about to happen, and I'm excited about that, and so we're going to call it the Summer of Revival. We're going to be looking at different aspects of revival, biblical aspects of revival, whether it be from the Bible uh, or uh, also from uh, historical revivals that have happened, and, and look at those characteristics and apply them to our lives, and that's what we're going to do this summer. So I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles out, your sermon notes out, and allow the Holy Spirit really to speak to you, not just today, but all summer long, and allow God to break through in your life and awaken your spirit to Him. And today, the aspect of revival that I want to look at is freedom, freedom. Whether it be in the Bible or without, within church history, whenever there's been a revival, there's been a tremendous sense of freedom that has run rampant in the church. There's, a freedom, there's this freedom that comes that you just don't care anymore. You just don't care about anything but God. You could care less what anybody else thinks about you. You could care less what the popular opinion about you is. You could care less. You just want God. You just want what he has for you. You just want his love and his grace and his mercy, and you are sold out in your heart to him alone. And there is a freedom that comes in revival. And I want to talk about freedom today. And when we talk about freedom, we have to define freedom because a lot of times when I say do you want to be free? Everybody says, yes, I want to be free. But then freedom means different things for different people. And I don't want to define that for you. You can think about what freedom means for you. Maybe it's free to do something. Maybe it's freedom from something. Maybe it's a, a release of obligation so that you have more freedom or that restraint in your life or that you would have more choices in life or whatever it may be. I want you to think about what freedom means to you. Because we crave freedom, we desire freedom, but we have to define freedom. And there was a philosophical debate on freedom, and they defined freedom this way, the power to exercise choice and make decisions without constraint from within or without. The concept of autonomy or self-determination, that, that I can do what I want to do, and that's how they define freedom. And I want to say as I begin today, I am thankful for a nation that was founded on freedom, that was founded on liberty. And I, I know it's probably not popular or the cool thing to say anymore, but I am proud to be an American. I'm, I'm proud to be a part of a nation that was founded by men that sought God and prayed. 
I, I'm thankful. You know, are we perfect? Far from it. But I do want to say this, that I am thankful, especially for the religious freedom that we get here in the United States that is not found around the world. That is a blessing from the Lord. And, and again, I just, I'm so thankful, and I'm thankful that we have personal freedom as well in our life, that we have that power to choose, and, and God gives us that. And what I've noticed is I've traveled around the world teaching and preaching that whether it's an open nation or a closed nation, when it comes to freedom, is that everybody, it doesn't matter the culture, the nationality, who you are, everyone desires to be free. There's this craving for freedom inside of each one of us. And here's what that tells me. If everybody in the world craves freedom, that means that God designed us to be free. We have to realize God designed us to be free. He wants us to be free. Now, sadly, and I don't know if this is you, it might be, but a lot of the Christians I talk to today... A lot of Christians believe that sinners lost in sin are more free than they are. There's a lot of Christians today that believe that people have, who have no idea who Jesus is, no concept of God, can do whatever they want, whenever they want, that they're actually the ones that are truly free. There are a lot of Christians that believe that sinners are more free than those who put their faith in Christ. And that's a lie. That's a messed up view of freedom. Because freedom is not just about choice, doing what you want to do when you want to do it. When you go to a store, you see the shelves lined with everything. You know, Leslie will send me and say, you know, we need spaghetti sauce for dinner. Like, you pick some up on the way home. Yes. So I go, and then all of a sudden, as I arrive, there are not just one spaghetti sauce, but <laughs> wow, there's a lot of spaghetti sauce. And which one do I buy? So if she doesn't tell me, it's my choice. And, and my favorite one is the one that costs the least amount of money. And um, so... Uh, so I look for that best value there. That's what I, I see, and I love the choice of that. But to be quite honest with you, when I go to buy groceries, I like to go buy groceries at places that have things other than groceries because groceries don't really get me that excited. So I'll pick a place that not only sells groceries, but they also have, let's say, big screen TVs, you know? And so I can go look at TVs while I'm shopping for groceries, and, and I'll see a TV that's so big it wouldn't even fit in my house anyway, but I'll just stand there like, oh, Look at that TV. And um, somebody will come up and say, do you want that TV? And that, well, I want that TV, but I can't afford that TV. And they'll say, don't worry about it. We'll give it. You could take it home today. You just fill out this little piece of paper and get this card, and you can have it today. And you can take it home today. Now, to me, that's, that's freedom, right? I mean, I, I want it. I can get it when I want it, and I, I can't afford You know what? Listen to me. What the world is selling as freedom is actually bondage. So when you begin to think, see, that's a lie from the devil, that if I can do whatever I want, when I want, then I'm free. No, you are in bondage. Do you remember what Paul says in the book of Romans? If you want to sin, go ahead. Go ahead. You can sin. God will give you over to that sin, and you will live in a life of bondage to that sin. And all the time storing up that judgment of God. So I want to tell you today, freedom is not always what we think it is. And I want us to get in our heart what true freedom is. I don't want any believer to believe the lie of the enemy that doing whatever you want, whenever you want, that's true freedom. Because that's not. Jesus had a lot to say about freedom. And I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 8. 
And I want you to dive in with me as Jesus talks about freedom. In fact, he has so much to say about freedom that his followers want to kill him by the end of this conversation. But what does Jesus say about freedom, and and how do we apply that to our life? How do we get a hold of that revival freedom in our hearts and lives? John chapter 8, beginning of verse 31, says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now look at that quickly. If you abide in his word, Jesus will set you free. True freedom comes from what Jesus tells us freedom is, and that's the freedom we crave. That's the freedom we were created for. And so he goes on then in verse 36 to say, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Isn't that great? If Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. Now Jesus here is talking about a spiritual freedom, yes, but it's very practical implications in our life. Because Jesus is, is basically giving you the choice and your freedom to choose who you're going to serve. And this is why the, 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 the bait here in John chapter 8, and you can read it for yourself, gets so ugly so fast because Jesus is saying, who are you going to serve? Who are you going to live for? And in John chapter 8, verse 34, he says, Truly I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. See, that's it. If you're going to choose to sin, you will be enslaved by that sin. And so Jesus sets up the choice here. You can either live according to my Abba Father or according to the enemy. And, and wherever you link yourself with that choice, that will determine your freedom or your bondage. And the problem is, is that the, the people he's talking to here didn't want to listen to Jesus. They didn't want to hear what the Father was saying. And he says, if you are not choosing me, if you are not living according to the word of the Father, then you're a child of the devil. He's telling a group of Jews that you are, you are children of the devil if you choose not to believe what the Father says and what I say. And so your life is going to look like that of the devil. It's going to look like sin. And, and so the question becomes, who do we belong to? Who do we resemble? And we want to resemble our Heavenly Father, don't we? We want to be turned into the, to the image of Christ. That's what the whole plan of God is, is to do His work, to be conformed into the image of Christ. We would submit to God. And if you've done that, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that God raised Him from the dead, and you've confessed that with your mouth, you are saved. We call that being born again, new life in Christ. You are part of a new family. You have a new identity. Look at John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. It says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. For everyone that's believed, you've been now born into God's family. You are a new person. You have a new identity. You are now connected to God, and he is doing his work inside of you. And and so we need to have God's work inside of us, not the work of sin or the world. Now, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. It'll be on the screen here behind me. But this is one of those verses that we read in, um, in the Sermon on the Mount that, that kind of hits us in the face when we read it. It says, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, when you read that for the first time as you're going through the Sermon on the Mount, it's like a trip. It's like, whoa, I've got to be perfect? Because we know that we're not perfect. 
We know that we have a debt that we can never repay. We know that. And it's like, how, how can you say that, Jesus? I'll never be perfect. To be perfect like God is perfect? We've already talked about that throughout the book of Romans this last year. It's like, how is this even possible? And I love what Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible, he, he talks about it in these verses here. He, he says it this way, Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live out your God-created identity. Basically, what Jesus is saying is you don't belong to this world anymore. You don't belong to sin anymore. You belong to me. Live out that identity. And when we live out that identity, that's when we'll have true freedom. Because listen to me today. When Jesus died on the cross for us, he raised us up to be like him. We are made new. We are made alive in Christ. We are not just forgiven of our sin. Listen to me. You are set free from the power of your sin as well. You don't belong to that sin anymore. You are free from the bondage of the enemy. And so listen, freedom in God isn't about freedom that I can do whatever I want to do. Freedom in God is that I'm free from the bondage that I once was in that I'm free from the bondage of sin. And so freedom is your destiny in Christ. You are not destined to live in bondage. You are destined to live in freedom. And that is the good news. I love when Jesus showed up at, uh, at Sunday service, actually it be Saturday service in the synagogue, and he showed up one time. And they asked him to do the reading from the Old Testament, which happened to be Isaiah 61. And it was speaking of him and his arrival. And, and so we, we read it here in Luke 4.18 as Jesus goes in the synagogue and reads this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set, all, set at liberty all who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the good news. That's why Jesus came. Look at this. Why did Jesus come? Why was he anointed? What did he do to preach the good news to the poor, to set at liberty the prisoners, or give freedom to the prisoners, to the captives, to give sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed, freedom for those that are oppressed today, and to give God's favor to us? I mean, that's why Jesus came. And that's not just good news back then. That's good news today. And that's the news that our world needs to hear about Jesus, that he has come to give us freedom. And we can see why freedom is such a part of our walk with God and such a big part of revival, that when we get a hold of who we are in Christ and the freedom that we have, the freedom from the power of the sin and the enemy, man, there is something powerful that begins to happen in our life. But as we go through the New Testament, it's not just Jesus talking about freedom. Paul talks about freedom and how it's applied to our Christian life. So I'm going to ask you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to begin at verse 1. We're going to look at these verses on freedom. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. You are not meant to be under a yoke of slavery. You are not meant to be in bondage. You were created to be free. God wants you free. Now, as you go through the book of Galatians, and you can read the book on your own. It's a short book, but listen to me. What are we free from? And you might want to write these things down. What does Paul say that we're free from? And the first thing Paul says we're free from in the book of Galatians is that we're free from bondage. You are no longer a slave to sin, to the law. You are no longer a slave. God has set you free. And the only person that wants to enslave you is the enemy because he's a liar. 
and he's going to tell you, if you live a life for Christ, then you're going to be in bondage, when the reality is, is when you don't live in Christ, that's when your freedom is taken away. That's when you live in bondage. So I encourage you today to, to realize that you have been set free from bondage. The next thing you've been set free is from sin. The power of sin was broken at the cross. You say, but yeah, I have this or that. No, no, no. The power of sin was broken at the cross. And what that means, listen to me, is you don't owe anything anymore. And when sin comes knocking at your door, like a landlord asking you for payment, you can say, go away. You don't own me. I, I belong to Christ. I am not in bondage. You don't have to do that. You know why? Because you have been set free from sin. You've been set free next from the law, from the law, that dead and barren relationship that Paul talked about, that abusive relationship that we were being killed in, but, but now the law is dead, and now we're alive in Christ. And, and in our new relationship with Christ, there's this freedom and this love and this acceptance and this grace. We've been set free from the law. Let's get super practical now for our lives. What have we been set free from? The next one is worry. We've been set free from worry. Do you know that Jesus says over and over again in the Gospels in regards to our freedom that he doesn't want us to worry? Don't worry anymore. But God, there's such big things for me to worry about. No, I don't want you to worry anymore. I've come to declare the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus says. And when we hear the word favor, a lot of times we think of blessing or we think of reward. We think of something tangible. And, and God does bless us, but that's not what favor means. Biblically, favor means that God is watching over us, that he always has his eye on us, that we're never alone, that he's nearby, that he's holding us in the palm of his hands. That's what favor means, that we have God's. Jesus says, I've come that you might have the favor of God, that he's watching over. And when, when you think about that, God's greater than anything you're ever going to face. And he's right there with you. I don't have to worry anymore. I don't have to worry. Next thing I'm free from is I'm free from fear. I'm free from fear. 1 John 4.17, we all know it. Perfect love casts out fear. But that's, that's so true. And when we have Christ, we have nothing to fear. You know what Jesus says is, is he's preaching? He says, don't be afraid of those that can kill you and take your body. He says, don't worry about them. Because they can never take you away from me. They can never take heaven away. They can never take the glory away. They may kill the body, but don't, don't worry about them. Because they can never take you away from me or me away from you. And I think that's where freedom comes, isn't it? I don't have to be afraid anymore. Because I've got Jesus. And when I got him, I got everything. And the next thing is I'm free from hopelessness. Man, when I have God, I have everything. He's the God of all hope, it tells us in Romans. As long as I have God, there's always hope. And I'm free from that sense of hopelessness. And finally, I'm free from condemnation. It tells us in the book of Galatians that we're free from condemnation. The biblical word for condemnation is the same word that we use for judgment in the English. So condemnation and judgment are, are actually, could be translated the same way. And if you remember in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Paul says there's, there's no condemnation, there's no judgment when you're in Christ. And I don't have to fear judgment anymore. I don't have to fear condemnation anymore. I have Jesus. I have the work of the Spirit in my life. Let me tell you, this is really important. You cannot do this on your own, okay? You can't try this on your own. You cannot try freedom on your own. 
because there, you, just, you, just can't, you have a debt that's too great to pay. You need the power of Christ in your life. And listen, you definitely need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when we go through the book of Galatians, and I'm going to ask you to study that this week. When you go through, and he talks about freedom. There's 14 references to the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life to receive freedom. So if you want to receive freedom, it's not up to you. It's up to Christ's work and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And when it's at work in your life, you will be a different person. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, For you were, uh, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not your, use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That you weren't saved just to do whatever you wanted to do, but you're saved to do what you could never do on your own, to show the love of God to everyone around you, uh, to be set free from, from what other people think and, and just going after and doing what God wants you to do. I'm going to give you some verses here quickly because we don't have time today because I want to go into worship. But I'd like you to do a Bible study this week. And you can read the entire book of Galatians. It's really easy to read. He's talking about freedom in that book. But I'm just going to give you some verses from chapter 5 and chapter 6. And you can do this as a personal study this week. And so I'm just going to put it on the board and you can write it down and go back and study. But in Galatians chapter 5, that first part of the chapter, verses 1 through 12, It says, I have been set free by Christ. I'm no longer under the bondage of the law. And so as you read those verses, realize that you've been set free in Christ. There's no more any bondage to sin or the law or anything else. Now, as you continue on in chapter 5, and you go to the next section in chapter 5, 13 through 26, you, you realize that you need something, or more specifically, someone to control uh, your life from within. And that someone is the Holy Spirit. You are not going to just produce the gifts of the Spirit on your own by trying harder. You need the Holy Spirit at work in your life to have what God wants for you. And so we have to submit to the Holy Spirit. We need His help. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning in those first verses, 1 through 10, uh, through the Spirit's love, I have a desire to live for others and not for self. That, that I'm set free, not just for my benefit, but for the benefit of those around me. And so I've been set free in Christ to serve others. And then the last part of Galatians chapter 6, 11 through 18, uh, this life of liberty is so wonderful. I want to live for the glory of God. Uh, He is the one making it possible. And so we live for his glory. He set us free. I'll tell you, when you get a hold of this freedom, you want to live for God and live for his glory. And so all those things are there, and you can study them. But let's get back to today. And let me ask you this. Are you free? Do you want to be free? Do you want to be free from the power of sin? Do you want to be free in Christ? Do you want that freedom? Let me tell you today, if you want it, you can have it. Because Jesus said it. Again, I'll just read it here. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. It comes from Christ. It comes from Him alone. Again, I've said it over and over again, but I just want to make it super clear. You can't do this on your own. You have a debt you can never repay. And Jesus says, I don't want you to even worry about that. I want you to be set free in me. He is the author of our freedom. And I'm going to tell you this. If you decide to reject Christ, you'll never have true freedom. You'll never have true freedom. You may think you have freedom. I talk to people that are lost. They think they are so free. And when I look at their life, I, I just see the bondage all over them. If you do not choose Christ, you will never be free because he is the author of freedom. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth will set you free. 
please, if you're here today or watching online or, or, or listening to my voice, do not reject Christ. He is your only source of freedom. Now, some of you say, well, I, I've accepted Jesus. I'm, I'm here. I mean, I'm, I'm all in, and yet I still feel like I'm in bondage. I still feel that condemnation. I still get tripped up by that sin. I feel like I'm, I'm living in bondage when I should be in freedom. And, and, and I, I want you to be honest if you feel that way. Because God wants to set you free. You are not meant to be in bondage. I want to tell you today that when Christ sets you free, you are free indeed. And that, that, that if you feel that bondage in your life, let me tell you this. What I want you to do is I just want you to be bold. And I want you to confess who you are in Christ. I want you to confess that you're a child of Christ, that, that all that Jesus came to do, he's doing in you. And here's, here's where the rubber meets the road, though. If you do have sin in your life that you go back to again and again, I want you to confess that sin. I want you to confess that sin. I want you to shine the light of truth on that sin. And as you do that, he's going to come in, he's going to forgive you of your sin, and he's going to set you free. You are not meant to live in bondage. The enemy will try to do it. And remember, when you confess your sin, he's forgiven your sin. First John 1 John 1.9, you put that on the board, that if uh, we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sin, that there's now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that condemnation is coming from the enemy. The bondage is not coming from God. It's coming from the enemy. And you can be set free from that. Don't allow the, the lies of the enemy to steal your liberty in God. Don't let him steal your freedom. Confess your sin. Be close to God. Draw near to him. Get hungry for the Lord. Hungry for revival. As we talk about this throughout this summer, I want you to be hungry for freedom. I want you to be hungry for revival. I want you to be hungry for whatever God has for you. Because I'm telling you, once you taste this freedom in God, there's nothing like it. We have some pictures here of Pastor Merrill in India. He sent them this week. I want to thank everybody that's been praying for Pastor Merrill. Uh, I know our prayer team's really been praying for him because the, earlier uh, this week he had a bad cough. He couldn't shake. And uh, once we started praying for him, something broke loose and, and God healed him. And, and he's had a great time and he's going to come home with a good report. And so we're just going to pray for him to get all the way home. But as, as they just go through these pictures quickly, I want you to look at these faces of the students. I think uh, that's the, the graduate chapel that Pastor Merrill's preaching at. And, and I've had the privilege to travel around the world to places like India. And I've sat, whether it be in a service or in a chapel or in a classroom, and, and I've talked to these men and these women. And where they preach is very different than where I preach. And as I, I look into their faces, maybe we can go to the next slide, because maybe you can see their faces a little bit better there. I've taught men and, and women, and I've looked them in the eye, and they know that when they graduate from the safety of that seminary classroom, that they're going to go and they're going to start a church. And that if they stood behind a pulpit like I stood today and preached what I just preached, that an angry mob from the village will come in and drag them out and beat them up. And they will spend their week healing and preparing their next message. And that's their life of persecution. And I'm going to tell you, when I look into their eyes and I hear their hearts as they talk, these guys are so free. They are so free because they know this world isn't their home. 
they're not trapped by all the choices and bondage of this life. They know that when they get up to speak, they're going to be dragged out and they're going to be beat up. They, they know that, and yet they're so free. When I'm in a place like that, I crave that type of freedom. I say, that's what I want. Because the world can never give you that. That only comes from Christ. That only comes from the power of the Spirit. And when I look at that freedom, I say, that's the freedom I was created for. That's what I want. Get hungry with me for this freedom. Get hungry for revival. Get hungry for an awakening of God. Because I'm going to tell you, that's the only thing that will truly set us free. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? And I just want us to spend our last moments together worshiping God. And I know we don't have much time. But today I want you to get hungry. I want you to get hungry for the freedom that God promised. And if you're living in bondage, you will be set free today. Because Jesus said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. As we worship the Lord, I'm just going to ask you to spend time with Him. If you need to confess any sin before Him, do that. And know that He forgives you today. Maybe something that somebody's done to you, I don't know. But God wants to give you freedom. And so I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to worship the Lord. God, we love you this morning. We thank you that from the moment we walked into this place, your presence has been here. It's been so real. And you focused our hearts on you. Whether it be through a song we've sung, or or through communion, or through prayer, or through your word. And, And God, you've put a hunger in us for something more. God, we want to be hungry for revival. We want to be hungry for a fresh awakening. And today, then the first step of this journey, we are hungry for the freedom that only comes from you. Freedom from the bondage of this life. Freedom from what other people think about us. Freedom from our sin. We want to be set free in you. That you would open our blind eyes. That you would heal our deaf ears. That you would raise the dead once again, God. And Lord, today we worship you. And God, we beg you for this freedom that you are so free and willing to give to us. Lord, give us liberty today in you. We love you, Lord, today as we worship. Would you stand with me this morning and let's worship the Lord together.
loving God. Uh, as we just continue to worship every communion Sunday, we receive an offering for the poor. The Bible says that we were set free not to just do whatever we want to do, but we were set free to love one another. And uh, I know that many are going through a difficult time, and this is just one of those above and beyond offerings. This isn't your tithe or regular offering. This is something special that we do. And everything you give in this offering goes to those in need, both in our congregation, in our community, and sometimes around the world if a need comes in. But um, if, if, if things are tight, I don't want you to feel any obligations to give. But if God's blessed you and you've got a little extra money this month and you can give it to somebody who needs it, uh, I, I just encourage you to do that in this offering. And this entire offering goes to the poor among us. So let us practically... Uh, live out this freedom of loving one another as we worship the Lord this morning. I'm going to invite the men and women to come forward, and if you need a little extra time, just wave at them, and they'll take a little extra time at your row. But we're just going to continue to worship the Lord before we leave today. Um, but I wanted us to have this opportunity to exercise our freedom in Christ and love one another. God, we just thank you that you're always with us and that you always provide for us. Uh, Lord, first of all, remember those today who are in need, God. And Lord, there's probably many who are standing here today that are just, they need your provision in their life. And God, I pray that you would come through in a big way. Lord, bless us so we may bless others, God. And may we live this freedom out in loving one another. And God, for those that are giving, I just thank you for them. I thank you for blessing them. I thank you for their generosity. Lord, we don't give to any specific person. We just give to you. And God, we know that you're going to bring the right people by that are in need. And they're just going to know the love of God as they receive from you. And so, God, we just pray that you would meet every need this month according to your riches and glory. And thank you for this opportunity to worship in our giving as we sing this prayer before we go today. God, we love you. We love you. Amen. Amen. You can give and let's just worship the Lord together. Open the blind eyes, unlock the deaf ears, come to your people as we draw near.
believe that the Lord has heard us this morning, and, and I'm just going to ask you, uh, we can stay and worship the Lord some, a little bit longer, but I'm, I'm just going to ask you this entire summer, whenever you come to church, you come expecting that you come ready and uh, believing God to show up. It's a summer revival. He's up to something. Come ready and expecting. Take advantage of a, of a Thursday and a Friday night like we get this week with John Bevere and Mark Batterson just to get more of the word inside of you. Just come and receive and be ready to go every time we gather together. His presence is here and it's alive. And uh, we're just going to worship uh, as we go. But um, I want to do something a little different today because it is uh, July 4th week. And at the end of each service, we, we give a blessing. It's always a privilege to do that and a wonderful time to receive the blessing of the Lord. But today I want to pray the blessing not over uh, all of us, and I want to do that for all of us, but not only for us. I want to pray this blessing for our nation. And, and here's the bottom line. We might all have different political opinions, and that doesn't matter. I, I always go back to, to Psalm 32, uh, 33, 12, where it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That's the bottom line. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And so as I give the blessing and the prayer, we're going to do that for our nation. And then I've asked the worship team if we can just sing as we go this morning, God bless America. Uh, because without his blessing, not much else really matters. And um, so today, would you receive the blessing of the Lord as we pray for you, your family, and our nation. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that rests upon your people, the remnant. God, I thank you for that blessing. But Lord, today we pray for our nation. Would you bless us and protect us, God? Would you smile on us and be gracious to us? We need your grace so much. Would you show us your favor and watch over us and hold us in the palm of your hand and give us your peace? Lord, we don't have much hope without you. And God, we know you were there at the beginning. Would you return today, God? And um, Lord, just hold us and bless us. And, and God, may we just turn our hearts towards you as a nation. Lord, we're praying for revival and an awakening, but Lord, send it to our nation. Start with us, God. Start, start right here with us, but Lord, bring it to our nation. Because we want to we wanna be a people after your heart. Uh, Lord, today we truly pray that you would bless America as we go. Lord, I pray that you would keep us strong and keep us safe until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing God Bless America as we go this morning. God bless America. Oh! 
It's been so good to be together in the presence of the Lord today, hasn't it? Pray for our nation this week and uh, keep it in prayer, and, and we're just going to keep believing God for greater things. And, and as you go today, there's so much you can sign up for in the lobby uh, and different events, and, and if you need special prayer, I'll be down front. But don't leave without fellowshipping with one another and, and just uh, sharing the love of Jesus with as many people as you can. If you want to spend a little more time with the Lord, you can stay here and pray as well. But God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.